Look at verse 9, Revelation 21, and we'll read verse 9 to verse 21. And what we're looking at is here um, a bridal show from God. All right, Revelation 21, verse 9, we'll read through verse 21. It doesn't, it's not the whole um, text as far as the subject goes, but it's the portion we want to look at tonight. Revelation 21, look at verse 9, and we'll read through it there. John said, And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, and her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal, and had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and at the twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. And on the east, three gates, and on the north, three gates, and on the south, three gates, and on the west, three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city, and the gates thereof, and the wall thereof. And the city lieth foursquare, and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. And he measured the wall thereof in 140 and four cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of the angel. And the building of the, and the, building of the wall of it was of jasper. And the city was pure gold, like unto clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third a calicdony, the fourth an emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth a topaz, the tenth, a chrysoprasus, the eleventh, a jacinth, the twelfth, an amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, as it were transparent glass. And we'll stop right there. So, um, so my wife and I, we were married in the end, the last day of 1994, and that summer, before, uh, we went to a bridal show. You can tell I wasn't too excited, uh, but went to a bridal show. She was pretty excited. I think Bethany was with us too, her sister. And um, I think it was June or July of 1994 in the summer. I think it was at the was it at the Civic Center? I think it was in, the, in Phoenix somewhere, 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 and it was too expensive. But uh, got some good ideas, my wife tells me. I remember going there, and I just remember, just like, all right, let's do this. And 
you know, and they did all the thinking. I just looked at a few things. So, but it was, but I do remember some things. It was, you know, they want to make, you know, they're showing you dresses and they're showing you uh, attire for the other, a wedding party and they're showing you decorations and they're showing you uh, catering options, all kinds of stuff that pertain to a wedding and beyond what really need you need for a wedding. Uh, but it was a, a glorious bridal show, you know, and uh, dazzle, some things were dazzling and impressive. Well, this is literally a bridal show, but there's one bride, okay? There's one bride. And look what the, the angel says in verse 9, at the end of verse 9, to John, come here, I'll show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. I'm going to show you a bride. Now, here, again, this is, your, it's, it's a bridal show. It's like, but it's a city, but it's also the occupants are Christ's bride. And it is glorious, and it is dazzling. And it's, all we can do is imagine the words. God has given us words, communicate, you, know, you think the whole concept of language. God designed the concept of language. He designed the human body and brain to be able to conceive, interpret, and exchange language. He designed our eyes to be able to see things, but he has, he's made it to where he's limited what we could know of heaven through human language and what we relate with some of the things he puts in there. So we can only imagine, if you will, some of this. And it is amazing, the description here. So he says the bride. What are we talking about? We're talking about Somebody who's called Jesus' wife. Look at the end of verse 9. Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife, Jesus' wife. Who's Jesus' wife? 2 Corinthians 11 tells us that the church, the Christians, genuine believers, since his time on earth to the rapture, genuine believers are going to be considered his bride. Okay? Paul said to the Corinthians, I've espoused you to one husband, even Christ. Second, uh, Ephesians 5, when we're told as husbands how to relate toward our wife, it's in the highest comparison possible. Even as Christ loved the church and gave himself, sacrificed himself for her so that he could make her pure and, and purify themselves, a, a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle. I need to do everything I can to make my wife the best person she could be sacrifice myself for her. And Paul says that's what Jesus did for his church. He gave himself for her so that he might present to himself a glorious church. The church is not necessarily the people who happen to occupy the, an address that calls the church. It's genuine believers, okay? So if you're saved and you don't know much else, but you're saved, you're part of his bride, you're part of the true church all around the world. Anybody like that? Well, that's a true church. And so, but wait a minute. We see this. I don't have any pictures for you. Glorious city coming out of heaven. And it's called, he calls that city the bride. The city is also called the Father's house in another place. The city is called New Jerusalem. The city is called um, the Lamb's wife. So it's, you, it's both occupants and a place to, that's occupied. The glorious place that we're going to see here. Um, her beauty is seen, the, the, the beauty of his bride is seen in expressing itself through this luxurious city. So, notice here, we're just going to get introduced to this thing. An angel, look at, look at verse 9. There came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven 
vials full of the seven last plagues. Now, wait a minute. That sounds familiar. Let's look. Hold your place. Look in chapter 17, verse 1. Chapter 17, verse 1, when we are being introduced to the events in the tribulation time and some of the personages during the, and characters during the uh, tribulation time, one of those characters is both a system and a city called the whore. Okay? And chapter 17, verse 1, you hear the similar language. And there came, un, there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. Now then again, go back to chapter 21, verse 9. And there came unto me one of the seven angels which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife, the book of Revelation, I'm not going to go through all of it. The book of Revelation, if you study it, it purposely has contrast through the whole book. Man's city, God's city. Man's savior, the devil's Christ, and God's Christ. Man's ways, God's ways. All through it. And here you have a, this, we, we're, we are introduced to a contrasting female character, which is really an organization and a city. It's the church. Now, I want you to think about this. Before we go into the nature of heaven the nature of where we're going to be. In chapter 17, verse 1, the whore, ugh. here, the bride, yes. You know, there's a couple of obvious contrasts. This whore that we were introduced to earlier, when the angel said, John, I want to show you this whore that sits upon many waters. A couple of things. Here's a woman, here's a, an organization, a religious group, and a city that's fixed on pleasing men. Sits on many waters. She's mingling with all kinds of men want to make them happy. Here, the bride is fixed on her focus and her affections are on one man, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's how, by the way, a local church should be. We, we care about the world. We care about things. We care, we want to know what's happening. But we're not trying to please every man out there. We want to please Jesus through our personal lives and as a local church, pleasing Jesus, a Christ-sensitive church, not necessarily a seeker-sensitive church. And so here's this whore. She want, her affections are on every, all the other men. Here's this bride. Her affections on one man. Here's this whore in chapter 17 and 18. And she's, she is, she is uh, uh, what you might say, adorned with a lot of fancy things, but she's filthy. But this one is adorned with magnificent, glorious, luxurious things of God, and she's pure. The inside, we me, is pure of what's happening in this city. So here, so now here we are. We're at this text. We just read it. You're like, Pastor, I haven't read this in a while. I'm trying to keep track of gates and, and stones and rocks and what's going on here. Here's what's happening. Uh, chapter, from verse 9 to verse 21, watch this. You have this city. It's a four-square city. And we get, tonight, we're going to look at the external view of it. That's what he's showing us. Primarily, what you see around the outside and examining the foundation and the, the nature of the construction, that's what you see. And then after that, from verse 22 all the way into chapter 22, the inside. We'll look at the inside. It's an open house <laughs> after that. That'll be our next message at some point. So here's what I want to show you. I want to show you five things related to her external beauty. Again, tonight we're looking at the external beauty, verses 10 to 21. Next time we'll look at the internal beauty, verses 21 into chapter 22. Her external beauty will consist of her location. We see something about her location, number one. Number two, we'll see something about her light. 
Number three, we'll see something about her external layout. And number four, we'll see something about her large capacity. Number five, we'll see something about her luxurious nature. Okay? So let's go through that tonight. This is what basically you have in the text. I'll try to be swift as we go through it. Look at verse 10. He carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain. Great and high mountain showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Now, I think the idea here is if we can assume what's happening, we can assume John in the spirit is already in this new earth that God's made. And he's brought up to a high mountain in this new earth, which I don't know how large this earth is. It's not the millennium. This is a new earth. And he's there, and he's brought to a high mountain. When you go to a high mountain, it gives, you a, it gives you aspect. You can see profile of something. Uh, you can still see maybe the lower part. You can see the upper part. But if you're seeing something come out of heaven, whoa, now you get a front row seat. Watch this. Here it comes, this dazzling city of God come out of heaven. And so it gives him a place to observe the descent and see the profile of the city. Yeah, Fourth Square, I see this and that. And so that's where he is. He's observing her location coming out of heaven, to, and her location will be somehow, it appears, on earth or hovering some way above the earth, probably right on earth. Because it says she descends out of heaven from God, called the great city, called the holy Jerusalem, the holy city of peace. Jerusalem means city of peace. Here is one who's literally beautified of heaven. The previous one, the whore, the earthly city, the city that people are going to be all infatuated with for its economy, is going to be a very earth-centered city. In fact, when John said, when the angel showed John, said, I want to show you the whore that sits on many waters. I want to show you this whore. It was just, it's a, it's a, he went into the wilderness. In other words, it was, this is of a man, this is of men. This city is literally a heavenly bride. Come out from God. Her location is on earth. From God. Notice that phrase there. From God. Out. Look at the last verse, last words of verse 10. She's descending out of heaven. Here comes the bride. All right. She's actually already married, though. But descending out of heaven from God. Now think about this before you go any further and see any more about this. All the beauty of that we're going to see. All of this is from God. And all that we're going to learn of the inside of it, it's incorrupt nature and it's sustaining nature and it's everything about it is from God. Some people are trying to make heaven on earth. They're trying to make a things that uh, you really can't have heaven on earth. There's a verse in Deuteronomy that talks about obeying God's commands and getting his blessing on your home can be the closest thing that your days may be as the days of heaven on earth. That's about the closest we're going to get. Deuteronomy 11, verse 18 to 21. But this is God. Only God can make heaven come to earth. Only God can do that. So that's her location as she's coming to earth. Number two, let's look at her lights. Look at verse 11. We're learning about her light. How many of you like lights? How many of you like Christmas lights, kids? Anybody? I like to see Christmas lights. I kind of like to leave some up for a little bit, you know. Even, we have those other bulb ones that we use for the wedding. We have those in our backyard. I just like light. Even like this nice screen, I like it because it has some brilliance to it. I like a graphic. We're going to get a better graphic that has even more uh, pixel to it, or I guess you could call it, more resolution. I love a good, rich light. That's something that's brilliant. Let's look at her light. This is awesome. 
Verse 11 talks about having, what is she's coming out? She has what? Not the glory of self, not the glory of men. She has the glory of God. And her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Now, uh, Bible scholars that we would identify with sometimes like, is this a diamond? Is this really a jasper? And I think it's really a jasper. But it's, a jasper can come in different colors, but there's some jasper can be diamond-like. The reason I think it's a jasper, because if you read Exodus 28, verse 18 to 20, and, and Ezekiel 28, 13, it actually uses diamond and jasper in the same verses, so that must be a difference. But anyways, it's whatever, it's glorious. And so we, it's dazzling, crystal clear, glistening, um, having the glory of God. You know, how many of us watched, were there, there were opening ceremonies for the Winter Olympics, were there? Were there? Okay. I don't ever, it seems like I never see those. I usually will see the Summer Olympics, opening ceremonies. And I tell you what, a few years ago when they had it in China, man, they tried to make it really glorious. And it was for China. I mean, it was impressive. And, um, and then London, they had one that's pretty, pretty impressive. And uh, Rio de Janeiro did one, of course. Uh, that, that's the glory. They're saying, look at the glory of our nation, China. And they want to impress you with their glory, their lights, their show. And look at the glory of um, London and, and all their, what they have and the glory of Rio. And they want to impress you with their lights and their culture and their shows and their dancing and their twirling and all the whatever it is. And you're like, wow, here's God's glory outdoes them all. Having the glory of God, it says. And then it says, what is this about this jasper stone? Look at the end of verse 2. Clear as crystal. Crystal clear stone. What is the idea there? It is this substance is designed to magnify and display the glory of God to the fullest, not at all impede from the God's glory, because God's glory is in there and it's radiating through it. Not tinted windows, not kind of a cheap stone that was, you know, purchased somewhere, some costume jewelry. Nope. It's as pure stone, clear as crystal. It makes me think, does my life display God's glory? You know, there's something, look, nobody's going to be perfect, but, you know, the Bible talks about us having a pure life. Keep thyself pure. Keep thy heart pure. Keep thy heart, you know, and something about trying to keep a pure life, not so that you could trot around and be a Pharisee, but so that God can shine. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. A light shines best when it's clean. And so we need to have that, our life designed, the substance of my life designed so that it's pure and clear and God's glory can be seen. So here we see this dazzling, radiant light here. Now next, number three, let's look at her external layout. That is kind of the elevations, you know, what does it look like on the outside, all right? Um, number, number three, her external layout. So we're going to see a wall, the gates, and the foundations, those three things here. Verse 12, had a wall, great and high. That's all it says for now. It'll tell us a little more later. A wall, a huge wall. Okay, and associated with that wall, 12 gates. All right, 12, they're gonna, you're going to see their big gates. And at the gates, 12 angels. God's still going to be employing angels. They're probably glad they're not out of a job anymore. And at those gates, 12 gates, the names written on those gates. Notice the names here. The names at those gates etched on are what? The 12 tribes 
of the children of Israel on those gates. All right? So can we remember all of them? Judah, Issachar, Levi, all those dudes. All right? Has their names on there. You know, again, God's covenant... He had a covenant with Noah. He had a covenant with Israel, Abraham and Israel. Abraham and his descendants through Israel in particular. And out of that, out of Israel, particularly Judah, came our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's going to keep covenant with Israel still. And here's uh, some evidence of it. So their names are on these gates as you go into the city. Number four, Verse 14, it says, well, it tells about, you know, they're all around, three on each end of the City, east, north, south, east, west. Verse 14. Here's the wall. And a particular thing about this wall, the foundations. What does that sound like if you have foundations to a wall? Twelve foundations to a wall. That would be like stairs. So you have these layers up to the wall. That's what, it, that's what most you know, Bible-believing teachers and scholars interpret this as here. Twelve foundations. And in them, oh wait, more names. Oh boy, writing people's names all over the place on this building. Uh, in them, the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. I went to the, to the Gilbert Library over here um, at the Riparian Preserve, uh, Guadalupe and Greenfield, and you, as you're walking and you see those little flagstones or whatever they have, and people's names etched on there, an organization, the Johnson family, and uh, Joanne and Bob Davis or whatever, you know, and and they were donors, and their names etched on there as you walk in. Here you have the names of 12 of the tribes of Israel, who are actual people, sons, and then 12 apostles, who are on the foundation stones, etched in. So let's say a few things here about that. Let's go back to the walls and the gates. The walls and the gates. Just, okay, you're like, wait a minute, heaven, walls, gates? I don't know. Somehow God has designed it so that there's a distinct entrance and it's distinct exit. Okay, so heaven right now, I believe, is designed this way and will certainly even, it'll function this way in a new recreated universe. There'll be gates on all four sides. Three on each side. Entrance and exit. Interesting. Now, I, I wonder what it means. Maybe it means that we're going to be, there's times to go in, there's times to leave and go on a galactic exploration. I guess you can go out. And I guess you're going to be coming in. And there's going to be a whole new recreated universe. Perhaps God's going to send some of us on a, all right, go find this new planet I made. And tell me about it. Not that he doesn't know. And we come back after a thousand years. I don't know, but we come back. Maybe there's, maybe there's going to be some kind of thing where you, there's an event. God says, come on back at this time. I don't know. But there's distinct entrance and exit to this city in this time. Um, how about this? So the gates, so you have on the gates, you have etched on these 12 uh, gates, three in each side times four etched on there the names of each of the one of the tribes of Israel and then you have names on the 
foundation stones as you would approach it. It's interesting that God is still showing a distinction between Israel and the church. And somehow we're together there. But there's still, God still has two different institutions and yet we're unified in a way in heaven. Again, there's some people that say the church takes over what Israel's promises are. God's done with Israel. They rejected Jesus, and so God rejects them. And that's not true. God made a covenant with Israel that says, I'm going to keep this covenant. I'm going to bless you. Now, if they didn't follow him, they would feel a sting. But he's going to keep covenant with Israel. And they're going to return, and they're going to believe on him by the end of the tribulation and be uh, his people during millennium. But it shows that he still honored his covenant with him. So in other words, um, it's a reminder of God's faithful covenant with Israel and with the church carved into his heavenly city. Names. By the way, it's interesting. So you think of this glorious city come down, these big wall, these gates we're going to see it's made of pearl, these foundation stones, the names in foundation stone, the names of Israel in the, in, the, in the gates, and it makes you think God, it, people are, are precious to him. And it's amazing also to think that God carved into his city the names, not his scripture even, but the names of people. He cares about people. He cares about us. So that's her layout. So now let's imagine now her large capacity. Now that's not something normally to be boasted of, of a bride. But remember now, it's a city now also. Large capacity. The city. Verse 15 to 17 tells us kind of of its capacity. Is this going to be big enough? Oh, yeah. Verse 15, he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city. I mean, all the tools are gold now, I guess. And the gates thereof and the wall thereof. So we're talking literal measurements. Well, you have John, a literal person, an angel, a literal person, and he has an actual uh, item that measures of dimension. So this is not going to be symbolic. This is going to be literal, real dimensions, not symbolic or vague. And what does it turn out to be? How does this city turn out to look? A pyramid, a, a sphere? It looks like it's a, a four square, as it says, a cube. Verse 16, the city lieth four square. The length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs, and the length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. So this is an enormous, sufficient, uh, sufficiently sized city. Huge. Big. See, it's hard for us. We think this kind of dimensional like this. All right, we got a big city. You got Phoenix area sprawling out. Everybody's kind of move, going out to Queen Creek and Maricopa and hitting the Santan there. Uh, over here, kind of hit the reservation. Now you got to go this way or that way. And we think, of, oh, we got still plenty of room. Buckeye's got a lot of room <clears throat> out there. But God has that 1,500 square miles area, and then do that again up. Whoa. I think 1,500 square miles is about here to Tennessee. And then square that, and then cube that. Boing, straight up. Wow. It's, that's big enough. Somebody, I'm not even going to bore you with the math, but somebody did some measurements of if the floors were this and that, and there's like, there's some billion of people that could fit in there. You know, I'm not worried about that. I'm sure God's got it all figured out. All right, about two-thirds the span of the United States just for that lower area. 
Now, okay, the capacity, it's large. Well, look at the wall. The wall is large. Look what it says. Uh, verse 17, he measured the wall there of 140 and four cubits. 144 cubits. What does that turn out to be? About 216 feet high. How big is 216 feet? Some are like, what is that? Sounds big. So the tower, you see the water tower over here? The Gilbert water tower is 230 feet, the very top. And then the, um, I used to call it the Western Savings Building, then I called it the B of A Building. Now it's called the Mesa Financial Plaza Building over there, uh, Alma School and Southern in Mesa. That's 16 stories, and I read that it's 224 feet tall. All right? Some of you kids know what building that is over by the old mall. You're like, what's the Fiesta Mall? You know where that is, Calder? Okay. On your way to Yannick and Bethany's? Well, kind of off the freeway there. All right. Yeah. Oh, for Grandma? Yep, that's right. The big old, I keep wanting to say Western Savings Building. Sorry, I'm old. It used to be called that. <laughs> but big building. And, and so the, think of the wall of heaven. Again, God doesn't have to make all but that's what he wants. He wants a wall. He wants gates. He wants, fine, God, it's your stuff. It's your bride, you know. Has a big wall, and it's, it's big. And so it gives us perspective, and it's real. And, um, and then what does it say? Again, he measured the wall according to the measure of a man that is of the angel. So it's a real, it's, again, this is not symbolic. Well, what that means, it's just, it means it's just, uh, it's a sufficiently protected place. Okay, it is, but it actually has a dimensional wall to it. And by the way, as, before we go to the last point, just pause a second and reflect on this. So as you think about the city, John's going, wow, glistening, glittering city of light. Wow, the foundations and the, the gates. And whew. you know what? And God is a God of order. You see that? He, I mean, it, it's, this is not some chaotic city. Yeah, it's a little lopsided over there. And I don't know about them gates. They don't fit real well. I need to call Rusty Burton and fix that. And uh, I don't know about them stones. Uh, that might be kind of cheap jewelry. I need to call in Miss Beth and, and see if they got some real jewelry to find. No, this is, I mean, this is orderly and this is quality. And this is God is a God of order and design. I say that because, you, again, whatever God is, we want to reflect that in some way in our life. I need to have some order and design in my life. I'll never be perfect. And I'm always fighting off the laws of thermodynamics of things breaking down and chaos around me. But I need to do my best to have some order and design to what I do, to what I am, to what I make to, for the glory of God. Um, you know, C.S. Lewis, I had this long quote and I wasn't able to find all of it, but I got part of a quote. C.S. Lewis thinking about heaven, thinking about Christians, thinking about heaven and Christians and how they live on earth compared to how secular people live, and the effect that Christians have on societies, Christians who know they're going to heaven, Christians who know that this is the worst they'll ever see, but they're going to heaven, as he thought about Christians, and how they lived this temporal life, and what they did versus what the secularists did, here's what he said, part of what he said. He said, I realize that Christians who did the most for the present world were just those were those very people who thought the most of the next. Isn't that interesting? So if we're very heavenly minded, we're thinking about the Lord, we're thinking about the Lord Jesus Christ, we're trying to grasp these concepts of heaven and of that city of God and of the kingdom of God, and we're setting our affection on things above, it's not going to impede my life on earth. It may enhance it. 
It may be like, you know, I'm going to do the best I can with what I got. I don't have much time, and I want to make it look like the hand of God on it. I'm going to go ahead and try to make build a hospital because God's a God of care. I'm going to go ahead and try to make invent the best car because God is a great inventor. I'm going to go ahead and try to make the best house because God's got a great house. I'm going to go ahead and try to be the best worker because look what work God does. And see, I like what he said. People who did the most for the present world were those Christians who thought the most of the next. Heavenly-minded did them earthly good. So here we have Jesus here showing us, or the angel showing us the bride, the lamb, uh, the lamb's wife. And by the way, I started thinking, you know, he's, he's been married 1,000 years at least to her and still taking good care of her. <laughs> After 1,000 years of marriage, still taking good care of his wife. There's a good lesson for me right there. Keep taking care of her. She's still called a bride. How romantic, you know. All right, number five, last point. Going through some precious stones here. Okay, her luxurious nature. Look at verse 18. That's the fifth point. We're seeing her luxurious nature in particular. Okay, what we're talking about here, well, let's read verse 18. The building what? The building of the wall was what? Is of jasper. That's the wall itself. The city was pure gold, like unto glass, Oh, man, I've never seen, I've seen gold that was 99.9999% pure. This will be 100% pure, but I've never seen something that's gold like glass. Rusty's told me of some things they've done lately to make some certain elements transparent. This is going to be incredible right here. Like unto clear glass. By the way, so what we have here, in chapter 22, John's shown Oh, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. I saw the holy city descend and come down to earth. So you get this general view of what God's doing. And now, now what are we getting right here? We're getting the external look. We're getting more detailed as you go along in the text. Oh, it's this size and it's this. You got this wall and it's four square and these, these gates. And now it's even a more close, a closer look. We learned there's 12 foundations. We learned there's gates. We learned there's a wall. We learned the size, but now we're going, okay, wait a minute, what is this? Have you ever seen something like that? Um, I've gone by buildings where I'm like, wow, look, they're making a brick building. You don't see brick buildings very much anymore. That's pretty cool. Wow. And then I get a little closer, I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> That's a facade, literally. They call it facade. You know, they've already made it out of wood. They insulated it and did all their thing, and then they put a, you know, there's that tall, that wide, and it's that thick, and they just throw some mortar and go like that, a brick facade. Now, honestly, it kind of looks cool still, but it's not real like a full brick building. That's expensive to do that. So it's a facade. So here you have John looking at this glorious city. Wow, whoa. All right, James, let's take a closer look. I want you to really see what this is. Check this out. See, even like this stuff right here. You guys like this wood, kids? Does that look like wood? That's not. That's plastic, or it's some kind of you know, plastic uh, composite. And that's our sample flooring here in here. It works good. It's fine for us. Um, but that's a sample of our building material. And so here the angel goes. Let's look at this. All right, the foundations, verse 19. The foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. Garnished with all manner of precious stones. So here you have God's sample construction material. 
right here. I'm going to give you samples. We see samples of it all throughout the earth. When you start digging, you're like, oh, there's samples of heaven. Here we go. First was a jasper. It's, it's diamond-like. And by the way, I'm going to tell you what I'm, I've learned some of these colors are. And if you want to argue, that's fine. I'll let you win. It might be a different color. But I'm finding out that jasper is like, it can be different colors, but here it's clear. Second, what's the next sample? Precious stone. Sapphire. Ooh, deep blue. Mm. Anybody have any sapphires? Nobody wants to admit it. Why? <laughs> All right, sapphire is supposed to be deep blue. I learned that a calicdoni is greenish blue stone. The fourth one, an emerald. Many of us know that emeralds are usually are green, deep green. I like that color. That's really neat. What's the fifth one? Sardonyx. It's supposed to be white with red streaks. Sardius, the sixth one, deep red. The seventh, chrysolite. Apparently that's a transparent golden color. A barrel. Barrels can be teal blue. Topaz. Topaz, I know, can have different colors. I'm red that they could, this one could be a golden or greenish color. The tenth one, a chrysoprasis. That's a pale green is what I found. The eleventh, a jacinth, is pale violet. And then the twelfth, an amethyst, rich purple. I think they get amethyst. You can get amethyst even up at uh, Four Peaks, I heard. Rich purple. That's a luxurious city. And then let's move along here. What's her luxurious nature? It composed of the, of the clarity of the, of the, the city of the outside of pure glass or of gold like pure glass. These, it, it, their luxurious nature is composed of these precious stones. And then also the nature of her gates in verse 21. The nature of her gates and the substance of the gates. Verse 21, the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Rusty, do you see any pearls to use for stock metal or stock to make? No? All right, see. Not usually. All right, so Rusty gets metal. Steel, a lot of times, a lot of steel. He might use other stuff. He's making gates. He never shows up where he, where he buys his material like, Oh, yeah, we got some pearls in the other day. Huge. What? How big can a pearl get? I mean, what's the biggest pearl? You can, somebody can Google it. Not now, but I'm sure if you did, maybe what? A baseball? What, Calder? Three inches? Okay, that's very, very rare. What's a common pearl size? Like a small marble at best? In between a BB and a marble? You know, a little pearl. I got my wife a pearl one time. I tried, I tried to be romantic. I, I think it helped. Uh, we went to Hawaii uh, for a, for a um, um, Mike Bowie's wedding, and that was a privilege to be in his wedding. And we spent, I think, seven to ten days there. It's nice. And uh, I thought, I'm going to do something. I've got to do something good for my wife here. So I went, and you can buy the, um, is it the, they come in oysters. Is that right? Okay, you can go buy one that's unopened. And they say, there's a pearl in there. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you really? He goes, yeah, you buy them and there'll be a pearl in there. So I'm like, I'm going to buy an oyster with a pearl in it. And so I, I don't know how I, I can't remember exactly how I did it all, but we were sitting somewhere at some little restaurant by a beach and I gave her this, here's this oyster, stinky, slimy oyster. <laughs> but we all said, look inside there. You know, so we opened it up, and through all the slime, we found a pearl. <laughs> sure enough, 
I was making sure there was a pearl in there. I'm going to try to find that guy. If it wasn't, get my money back. But we got a pearl because I, I wanted to do this. I wanted to present her that and find the pearl. We took the pearl and we mounted it. She's got a little ring with the pearl on it to remember that little trip to Hawaii. And so, I mean, look, look, I, I was so uh, intent and focused on this little piece, this pearl, because it's valuable. And God's like, oh, I'll make my gates out of it, 200 and something feet high. Yeah, no big deal. Isn't that amazing? The stuff that we scrap and buy and mine and go after and, and to get little slivers of these. And it's good to do that. It's like God's like, yeah, listen, I, I make my whole city out of that stuff. It's no big deal. It's showing his, his generous nature toward us. Isn't that good? Not cheap. God is not cheap. And uh, so that what a blessing that is to think about that. And again, all, I hope all I'm doing... and I, you, you just maybe forget about me, my silly illustrations. Just, just think about this. Isn't that amazing? Look what God has for us. He's telling his bride some of this stuff. He's saying, look, you know, again, what is this? The book of Revelation? He wants us to know about it. Look, I, you know, sometimes people are like, well, you shouldn't want to be saved to go to heaven. Man, I think it's a good idea. How do I get saved then? I've heard people say that. You shouldn't just get saved because you want to go to heaven. Man, why not? I mean, even then, that we are saved. God says, look what I got for you. He's motivating us with things that we can kind of relate. I can relate with jewelry. I can relate with gold. I can relate with, um, in, with uh, you'll see the inside of, of things that are pure and clean. Yeah, okay, that's where you're taking me? Man, you must love me. Yeah, he does. He wants his bride to be looking forward to going there. You know, I went to, when I was a little kid, I don't know what year it was, 1980 or 81, I remember laying on the floor in my parents' living room, looking up at a TV, and it, I don't think it was black and white then. We did have one at one point. Laying on the floor, looking at the TV, watching the, the wedding of Princess Diana and Charles, Prince Charles. And, of course, she died like 20-something years ago. But um, I remember looking, and I was so impressed. Now, look, I was a, whatever I was, six- or seven-year-old kid. Normally, kids aren't watching weddings. But I don't know, this thing grabbed me. I think that was up to the, By the way, I think... Up to that point in the world, that was probably the most viewed event ever on TV up to that point in the world. It's probably been broken, but it was like everybody around the world was watching it. And I remember going, whoa. And again, they didn't have as many camera angles and as much clarity as we do now, but I was impressed as a kid watching that royal wedding. Wow, look at that long train. She must have some good muscles in her legs to pull that thing, you know. Um, but I remember watching that, and I thought, wow, that is really neat. And then uh, William, his son, and Katie, Kate, uh, the, the, the prince, and then he married Kate of whatever she was from, her city. And that was, it wasn't that neat. Anybody see that wedding some 15, 10 years ago? I don't know what it was. Look, I'm not, you look at me. I'm not, guys aren't supposed to be all into that. That was pretty cool. I like that. I mean, they had all kind. again, better angles of the camera on their right. That was really cool. I don't like the Anglican church, but that was really neat and glorious. I thought, wow. And again, again, what is the, what is the feel? What is the theme that God purposely calls this? He calls it a bride. He calls it his wife. He calls, he's showing it, it's a presentation of her. It's put, and here's where we're about done. All I'm saying is God's saying these things in such a way so that it looks glorious because it is. And it feels uh, um, you know, compelling and, and it's supposed to produce awe. 
And let's listen, it's supposed to make a person want that, is what I'm saying. Somebody sees that, yeah, he wants you to want that. He wants you to want to be there. He tells us these things to say, this is what I have for you. And I think even a lost person, if they, would, if they had any honesty of reading this, like, this is what God wants for you too. If you, whosoever will, may come to this and believe on him and trust him and go to this place. So all of this stuff is designed so that a person should desire to go there. And, of course, we know the only way to go there, Jesus said, you know, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. You believe in God. Believe in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, and I go to prepare a place for you. Talking about this. Still doing his final touches, apparently. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. We're going to get, we're going to touch down in this place after the rapture, and we'll come out of it during millennium at some, at, at some frequency. So we should want this, and it's not bad if a person who doesn't know much about God should want this too. But of course, the ultimate, the main thing is they need to be, they need to be aware of their sin and the fact that they can't go there they can't go there in their present state. They need to be forgiven by trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's ask God to, to bless our time. Let's bow our heads and just close here in a moment.